since before recorded time. It had swung through the universe in an elliptical orbit so large that its very existence remained a secret of time and space. Brennan. Yeah. How long have we been doing this podcast? Uh, I don't have a watch, so I don't know. No, not time-wise, you dingus. <laughs> I mean, like, like month-wise. Twelve of them. Twelve of them. A full year, folks. Happy birthday! To us! Uh, welcome back. This is Screen 101 Podcast. I'm Shannon Shalakian. And I'm Brennan Klein. And we've been doing this for a year. And we sound so much better than when we started a year ago. Yeah, my voice has dropped. I've gone through puberty. <laughs> my, my <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> my, my, my investments have gone up. My acne is clear. Things mm-hmm, are great. great. My, w- did you invest mid-puberty and now they're kind of, you're cashing them in? Obviously so. <laughs> That's great. Obviously so. No, uh, but in all seriousness, if any of you want to hear just the amazing evolution of this podcast, go go and try to listen to our first podcast because... Please don't. It was really bad. We actually considered just re-recording it for this episode. Yeah, which... So it would have been a nightmare. Yeah. And here are my 10-word reviews. The Conjuring 2. This haunting feels familiar, but a solid sequel storyline. Finding Dory. A bit shallow, but a fun day at the beach. And The Lobster. Which animals don't get bored? Can I transform into one? But what was not a nightmare was the movie that we watched tonight for our anniversary episode. Oh my god, you're doing the thing that I do. Yeah, where I just transition straight out. No, you're opening the episode like you're the Tin Man and you need oil on your jaw so you can talk properly. Yep. We're like, we're doing a thing. Anyway, we, we, may, watched... we may have done this for a year, but we're still, we still got kinks, you know? It's true. We're, we're pretty kinky. Pretty kinky. Um, this week, we watched Night of the Comet. Which is important to our um, anniversary episode because when we decided to start this this podcast a long time ago um we actually decided to start the podcast a couple months prior to us actually starting the podcast yes absolutely it took us time to really really nail down the perfection of what we were doing yeah in fact i i think i had a panic attack (laughs) and i did i had a panic attack and i posted online um and brennan saw it and and called me and then like in the haze we started talking about making a podcast oh i remember remember that that? oh my god i totally remember that yeah that was a long time ago now that was a long time ago. longer than a year and and so we were like yeah we'll make a podcast whatever and then i got all calmed down back then the podcast was going to be about like politics and the news so look where that went yeah it was gonna be something um i got all calmed down and then one day our roommate Henry had to go to the the anime expo. He had to. It yeah, was necessary. He had to. Yeah. Uh, so so we we dropped him off at daycare, mm-hmm. and we came back home, and we just kind of went for no, it. No, literally, we dropped him off at the anime expo. Uh, when we picked him up, we were like, "Hey, listen to this podcast we made." Yeah. <laughs> and the, his whole world had changed. Yeah. We did so much in that span of time. Yeah. It it was pretty crazy. We recorded, we re-recorded, we edited, and we started our social media empire. And we, I, I did the design work and bada bing, bada boom. It was published a couple days later. It was on iTunes. Um, but Night of, the, Night of the Comet is important because when we decided that we were going to start this podcast, Brennan was like, I know what we're going to start, what our first episode is going to be. And I was like, okay, what is it? And he goes, Night of the Comet. I want to show it to you. And then he gave me like the synopsis uh-huh. and it sounds really cool. Um, I can't remember. You had a significance as to why it was supposed to be our starting episode. And I can't remember what that was. I, I think it's just because it was awesome. Probably. Uh, but we never did. It was yeah, like, just like most things we promised to do. Yeah. We did not do that. It's like the original Twitch of the Death Nerve because we... Th- that was supposed to be our first episode and then it ended up not and now it's our anniversary episode so we decided to finally get around to it yeah 
Also, thank you everybody who's been listening since the beginning and everyone who started listening in the middle and is still listening now. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, anyone who's listening at all, if you're out there. Is anybody out there? Hello? Oh. Hello? It's me. I feel like our audience is like LA post-Comet and Night of the Comet. Just yes. empty completely. But we will get to that. Uh, first, 10-word reviews. Shannon, do you have any 10-word reviews? No. Yay. And yourself? Ask me. Ask me. Sorry, do it again. Hey, Brennan, do you have any attendant reviews? Not yet, but I'll put them in later. <laughs> okay, great. Um, and with that, let's move on to the discussion. There uh, is always spoilers every single time. And Brennan will read you the plot from the back of his DVD. Oh, my God. The plot is written in just bright green neon. It's great. Perfect. Okay. It's the first comet to buzz the planet in 65 million years. And everyone seems to be celebrating its imminent arrival. Everyone, that is, except for Regina Belmont and her younger sister, Samantha. Two valley gals who care more about meteoric fashion trends than celestial phenomena. Oh my god. But upon daybreak, when the girls discover that they're the only residents of Los Angeles whom the comet hasn't either disintegrated or turned into a zombie, they... Well, they go shopping! But when their day of mauling threatens to become a day of the mauling... That's a weird pun. Mauling to mauling? Yeah, but it says a day of the mauling. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. These two Val gals flee with both killer zombies and blood-seeking scientists in hot pursuit. Woo! Oh my gosh. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so this movie is half George Romero, half Alicia Silverstone, all wonderful. It's, yeah, it, it was great. It was really good. Um, let's just, let's hop right into it. Okay. okay. We rate scariness one to five screams, campiness one to five perms, gore one to five severed limbs, and quality one to five unlucky stars. So, starting with scariness. Was this movie scary at all? Like most of the movies we do here, it was not scary. But I feel like this was even less scary than usual. No, it's, it's, uh... It's right on the cusp of horror comedy. I don't know quite mm-hmm. if I'd qualify it as a horror comedy. Like, there are a lot of really funny lines, and mm-hmm. it's very, very campy. But it's not really trying that hard to make you laugh. It's just kind of doing it naturally. Yeah. Like, in a way that a lot of 80s horror movies already did. Just there's funny dialogue. Um, but just, it's it's a gentle, fun, sci-fi, apocalypse extravaganza romp. So it's not scary. It doesn't really do much in yeah that regard i agree i gave it one out of five it cool. was it was not scary and let's move on to the important thing campiness. campiness shannon what did you rate it for campiness um okay so i rated it two out of five and i think it's i rated it two out of five because i've seen too much 80s stuff by now so i've actually what? established a normal 80s stuff i know that's that's not not possible but i've actually established like what would be considered normal what wouldn't and so of course their clothes are ridiculous because it's mid 80s and their hair yeah, is ridiculous. 1984 smack dab smack in dab the primo the the highest concentration of gamma rays that were happening in the fashion industry oh speaking of gamma rays i just thought of of we were talking about the plot so they were like the first comet since for 65 million years or whatever they literally talked about Haley's comet in the movie. No, they said this comet hasn't come by since oh, 65 million years ago. When okay. all the dinosaurs mysteriously vanished on the same day, says history. <laughs> oh, okay. See, that makes sense. That, that okay. Adds dimension, folks. Um, yeah, so campiness. I don't, wh- what would you rate it? I rated it three out of five perms okay. because I do agree. Um, this concept is very, very campy. Yeah. And I'm probably going to bring this up later too, but... It didn't exactly have the budget to really just dive full bore into that concept, which is kind of the only thing I find disappointing about this movie, which I do find very fun. Right. Like if they, I wish they had just won the lottery and could do anything they wanted because I love where their heads at with yeah. this. Um, but as it stands, well, Kelly Maroney, who plays the younger sister, Samantha, her outfits are 100% across the board fabulous. Absolutely. Um, she I wears agree. Mismatched, mismatched Converse, so I clearly have a soul connection to her. 
but also these chicks are awesome they kick butt yeah. their dad was in the military so he taught them how to shoot guns and they're practicing with this semi-automatic that jams up and the younger girl is just like Ugh, daddy would have gotten us uzis like yeah but they're still completely feminine like there isn't a part of them that has like masculinized yeah, with that information they're, they're so valley girl and still so consumerist but they're just kicking butt and yeah. they're awesome it's great it's so it's good it's so fun out of this world and in case it wasn't clear the comment has come by um, everybody is outside looking at the comet because it's this kind of worldwide phenomenon that everyone's like, oh, let's do it. Like, you know, when a meteor shower is happening. Um, in 2016, more people would be safe because they'd be inside on Tumblr or like tweeting about the comet, not actually outside because who does that anymore? No, they'd be outside, but just on their phones. Okay, that's true. Yeah. Um, but the comet dissolves everybody who's well, outside. It dissolves most people. Well, the people who've had partial exposure who were like inside or something turn into the zombies. Oh. And then the people who have been encased in steel are safe. That makes sense. So basically, the world is dead and empty except for the few zombies that are wandering around. And they can talk, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Very Return of the Living Dead. Um, what was I saying? Uh, chicks are awesome. Oh, what I was saying is that at the end of this movie, the girls, they, they have dude. They meet boys. They're like hanging out. They're um, just trying to survive in this post-apocalyptic wasteland. Is it a wasteland? Because, think about it. Um, there's no more clothes manufacturing. 80s fashions are going to continue on forever <laughs> in this universe. That sounds like a paradise. Oh, oh Brennan, <laughs> my friend. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bump my campiness score. I'll give it a 3 out of 5. Okay, it, is, cool. it is median campy all around. Um, it, it's very sad that this is the baseline for campiness in the 80s. But I know, but we've seen some stuff. These After are the a best year times of, of our, our lives. lives, these are the best times. After <laughs> killer party. Yeah, After we've a been year. hurt. We've been burned before. Yeah. Whew. Um, gore. Uh, one out of five. Same. Again, one out of five. It's just like the scariness. Uh, like I said, it's very low budget. Yeah. Um, it's not a gory movie. It's just a fun movie. And I think the interesting part, and we kind of talked about this a little bit while we were watching, was the form of the movie. Like, if this movie, like, this entire concept was a series that you could, like, build up to and, and space out, like Walking Dead or, like, The hun the 100 or, like, um, all sorts of things, um, you might have, like, an adequate buildup of the the different facets of danger in this world because they hit it well like they have uh -huh. they have the scientists who knew this was coming kind of culty they have those who survived but had decent exposure and um are trying to like territorialize you know uh -huh. and they like own the mall or own this or own that um and then you have just the survivors who they don't know if it's friend or foe and you really don't know anything about each other other than that you're a survivor so if it was like a long form sort of series it probably would have it oh would have been awesome i would green light a night of the comet series totally. this instant immediately but yeah it's interesting because i mean it's not like the apocalypse was out of the picture in the 80s especially with the mad max franchise being so popular right, right. i mean mad max 2 the road warrior was the one that like hit it big in the states mm -hmm. but that was 81 yeah um but the thing is i think of apocalyptic genres as being very popular nowadays like in the era of like the it started with Y2K and then yeah, but all like just in the era of like we were waiting for 2012 to happen, we're waiting for the rapture to happen, we're waiting for all this stuff. Like all that apocalyptic stuff has been very chic recently, like with mm -hmm. The Walking Dead and all of its imitators and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So this movie is not only very prescient; it actually handles that really well in a very Romero-y way, where it's like the real danger here is the other people. Yeah, and. This is way too smart for the for its concept. It's true. Like it's true. the concept is so silly and fun, but the movie can at times it really digs in, and yeah. I appreciate that. And the comet itself, I mean, even though it's not of the comet, like the comet is not really prevalent in the movie. It, oh no, it I happens, mean, it's, it's and the then it's, it's the inciting incident. It's the catalyst. Yes. Mm. Um. So yeah, gore was nothing. I guess we kind of already started talking about quality. We, we kind of just jumped into that. We did. We have a lot to say about this movie, which really goes to say our scores already. Yeah, it would have been a great first movie. To yeah, talk about. totally. Um, I'm just gonna start. I'm gonna give it a four out of five. I have three nice. out of five written down, but I definitely gonna give it a four out of five because it was really enjoyable. You know, um, definitely not one of the not like 
the best movie we've seen because we have a list of best movies. Yes. But it's definitely up there. It has some really great things. It has kick-ass girls and a good concept. So you got the sci-fi. You got the, the, the punchy dialogue. It's all good. Yeah. And honestly, I think over the past year we have mind-melded because I did the exact same thing. I just bumped it up from a three to a four during Yay! our conversation. Yay! Because I do wish it was a little more over the top. Right. Like a little more silly. Yeah. Which is what that concept kind of begs for. Mm -hmm. But what we do get is a sci-fi movie that's surprisingly emotional and really interesting and a, a little bit of subtext. It's not like the smartest movie in the world, but for a movie called Night of the Comet released in 1984, we're it clears the bar and then some. Yeah, there are a lot um, of really interesting ethical commentary that yeah. goes on that like... You don't have to be engaged to catch. Like, you don't even have to really pay attention to it if you don't want to. Like, if you don't want to think about the concepts of judging other people. Yeah. But that's, like, a major part with sci with the scientists. Yes. And um, there's also, there's a great sequence after the comet has struck. And it's just panning through these empty, beautiful shots of L.A. And I'm like, oh, I wish I was driving around that day because traffic is sublime. Yeah. That happened but to me once, did I tell you? I drove on the freeway and there was no one on the freeway. That sounds beautiful and terrifying. It was. It, I mean, it was the result of a fire. But it was, like, oh. the most out-of-body experience. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But so we're panning through these normally like totally backed up city streets just completely empty eerily silent but also there's all these shots of the the automated world keeping going like somebody's sprinklers come on somebody's mm -hmm. uh pool cleaner kicks in it's just the world that we have created and automated to serve our needs is going on without us it doesn't need us yeah and that's just it's a really dark thing and it's something that a worse director or a worse writer director wouldn't have put in. Yeah, exactly. And they also draw the conclusion that these girls who they can't find in the city must be at a mall. Yeah. You know, so that's also kind of part of it, like a social commentary as well. It, it's George Romero did it in Dawn of the Dead. They returned yeah. to the mall because that's what's important to them. Yeah, exactly. It's this, it's crazy. It's so good. It's so good. And, um, I'm, the acting is not phenomenal. No, but, but you don't. It doesn't need to be. Um, no, Kelly Maroney, who plays the younger sister, mm -hmm. Samantha, has a fantastic scene that should. It'll go in her Oscar reel. It's coming up any day now. Oh, good. Um, where she's talking about her friend who was trying to hide her algebra algebra grade. Oh my god, trying to hide her algebra grade from her parents, but I guess she doesn't have to worry about that now. And it's very emotional, and she's trying to be cheerful, but she can't really hide how she's really feeling. Yeah, she talks about a boy who was supposed to ask her out and never did. Yeah, it's such a dark scene, and she plays it so well. She does. And Mary Warrenov, who, she's been in everything, because she's, she's tight with Roger Corman and, mm -hmm. like, the Andy Warhol crew. So, she's been in all kinds of stuff. She's in Eating Raul, which, if anyone, whatever, never mind. Um, but she's a an established actress in the cult genre, and she has a really, really great scene where um, she knows she's been infected and she kills herself mm -hmm. while telling Hector, the the hunky dude that the girls have hold down, hold up with, um, just where they are. It's just beautifully acted, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I should not be so impacted by this movie. Yeah, this and the movie doesn't have any nudity in it either, mm -mm. which is shocking for a horror film in the 80s, but it is like so it's not necessary and it like is fine still you know yeah absolutely and just ladies doing it for themselves i love that and like i said the low budget does hobble it a little bit in my esteem that's why it's not a five out of five mm -hmm. um because i do really enjoy this movie um but there another example of the low budget they play girls just want to have fun on the soundtrack but it's it's clearly a sound-alike version because right. it, it's cheaper to record your own version that's imitating it than to actually yeah. use the Cindy Lauper track. But both Shannon and I were like, "This something's wrong here. Like, there's a disturbance in the force." Yeah, because her voice just isn't as like this reedy is, and crazy as Cindy Lauper. Yeah, it's just like a little higher and a little cleaner than yeah. Cindy Lauper's. It's like a little too perfect. Yeah, and it, it just felt like girls would like to enjoy themselves. Please, thank you. It, like it still it still sounded good. And I think it's. I think, I think saying that it clearly wasn't it is kind of a stretch because I feel I, like I think it was because really? both of us noticed and I've never well, noticed that before. Oh, that's a good point. But I just think that you and I also are like, one we know about sound like alike crazy Cindy Lauper fans, and two yes, 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, oh wait. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead. One more thing. One more thing. I wanted to say, isn't it appropriate that our one-year anniversary movie is also a secret Christmas movie? Because That's our right. very first movie, I Madman, was secretly a Christmas movie because it took place during the Christmas season but didn't draw attention to it. Mm-hmm. Exact same thing here. Mm-hmm. There's Christmas, like Merry Christmas, written on all the uh, department store signs, and there's Christmas music playing on the radio. But it's not a Christmas movie. It's just it's secret. Yeah, it's stealth. It's I mean, undercover. it's in it's in L.A., so that's part of it too. Is like you can't have like a white Christmas sort of thing. Like Christmas movies in L.A. are kind of bleh. Okay. anyway. Anyway, moving on to our favorite part, champion dialogue. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go first? Okay, my champion dialogue oh is great, and it does not lend credence to my assertion earlier that it was not entirely a horror comedy because there, there's this line is so good. Credence the witch. From from troll troll yeah, two yeah i almost said troll water two but that's not anything credence clearwater revival i know okay go so uh sam and regina which i only think of canada when i hear right. that name um sam and regina have this evil stepmother named doris mm-hmm. i think and she's cheating with this guy from across the street named chuck and sam is having an argument with uh doris and <laughs> literally doris punches her straight in the face like i don't not even cinderella's evil stepmother would have done that well there's some lead up okay so like no, well, doris... my lead up is the line okay sorry I, I skipped a little bit sorry go ahead um sam is letting doris know that she knows about her and chuck and she's like gonna tell her dad or whatever and this is the line that she says you were born with an asshole doris you don't need chuck that line's yes. so good. Oh, yes. Oh, I wish I came up with that. I wish I used that on my day to day. You can now. And no I one can. Will know. I just don't associate with people who date assholes, luckily. Well, uh, I guess that's good. Yeah, that's good. Anyway, if, if you date an asshole and you're a friend of mine, I will be using that line yeah, text on Shannon. you. I will be using that line. Um, so, yeah, that's great. Okay, so my line is quite different usually we do a lot of zingers and that's what makes champion dialogue our favorite segment because it's like fun and uplifting but this one is actually more commentary ish so what happens is at the very end of the movie you see regina and hector and then the two children that survived that they found um and they're all like dressed up to the nines like in their sunday best and they're walking across like mid la like by the by um the capital or by City Hall. And um, it's so weird because that intersection they use all the time. Like, mm-hmm. I've been there so many times. Exactly. But it's just like, you know, it's just like a, uh-huh. a place for us. Anyway, so so they're going to walk across the street, but they stopped and they're waiting for the light. Um, and remember, this is post apocalypto. So you have Sam. <laughs> it's after the Mel Gibson movie. Yeah. You have <laughs> you have Sam on the other side who's like, who's just like, what are you doing? And the, And Regina's response is this. You may as well face the fact, Samantha. The whole burden of civilization has fallen upon us. And that that's another example of how this movie's way too smart for itself. Like yeah. it's really good. But not in a weird way. Like it's not like it doesn't like go from the room to being smart, you know? No. Like it's like, not like the boy next door where they talk about like the in depth Iliad and then they go Okay, that's true. Like everything is good about this movie. Yeah, it's all good. But it's just uncannily smart. Yeah, and I just love that sentence like the burden of civilization is upon us like it just it just goes into talking about how like your decisions like your actions are a choice and blah 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 you know like all this crazy stuff and also it's regina who was known for making bad decisions like it's almost like slept with a stupid quentin tarantino film projector guy at her movie theater that she works at it just seems like the apocalypse actually did more for her than it then it took away like it broke her out of her valley girl funk exactly it was it's really interesting that way um so yeah that's my champion dialogue okay who's your favorite character my favorite character is samantha good mine too okay good because she does not care that the world no. has ended she's having herself a good time god yeah. damn it yeah. and she's so fun yeah and she's under her her sister's shadow but like not in like a whiny way like she's she's complains about it yes yeah. like she she complains because she's like you're swooping in on all my men that i like yeah but they love each other and they're so sweet yeah exactly and and they both kick ass so they're good they're great i love her too cool okay favorite scene uh i'll, I'll start my favorite scene, Mary Warnoff plays a scientist from this bunker compound that accidentally got infected because they left the air vent open. Right. Um, she. What? Sorry, they're all supposed to be geniuses, too. Uh-huh. Like, 
Like they took everyone. It was like, it's like Mensa. They put Mensa underground. Basically. Um, which comes into play later as far as like, she essentially says, I thought that we were all geniuses. Mm-mm. So go ahead. Uh, there's actually, um, speaking of, there's a line that Samantha says earlier where she's like, you guys are all geniuses, huh? There were a couple of geniuses in my school. They were all wimps, which is like such yeah. a subtextual line where it's like, cause these geniuses are such cowards and they want to kill people and take their blood basically mm-hmm. to try to make a cure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Mary Warrenov is having none of that because women are doing it for themselves and she gets stuck with this guy who's kind of suspicious of her and she claims to have killed Samantha when she really just sedated her and she's just trying to get the guy out of there so she can save these people but he's starting to get a little little wary of her and he starts edging for his gun and she's like what do you expect me to do reach for my gun he was like no no everything's fine she's like good and she's already had her gun in her hand and she just shoots him point blank and it's so badass and i love that scene that was good i didn't call that that was good um my favorite scene is the ending scene the whole civil the burden of civilization is upon us scene where hector and gina are dressed the nines they look like they're suburban parents and they have an interracial like children and um and they're like trying to get their kids to like you know take a good picture and their kids are complaining and then samantha's across the street looking like a prostitute <laughs> i mean that entire scene where just like everything is so serene and even though the world has ended they've like found happiness in some way yeah like i don't know it gives me a lot of hope and it also the fashion is ridiculous forever um, forever fashion forever fashion uh so yeah i just really enjoyed that so great yeah all right so now on to um a super special birthday anniversary segment yeah which i'm really excited about i'm excited that we made it to a year mm-hmm. in general and i'm excited that we're going to be doing this so why don't you why don't you explain the name of the game <laughs> okay well the game's coming later right but, but first of you all you know what i mean we would just we we kind of want to reminisce a little bit this is our anniversary episode so forgive mm-hmm. us um we wanted to go through our top five episodes and it's not like oh we're patting ourselves on the back. Good job, everyone. It's it's more like we wanted to share like our favorite experiences with this. Yeah, the ones we had like the most fun or yeah. most exciting or and things that never would have happened without this podcast. That's true. Um, and also we're gonna play a couple clips from the mm-hmm. episodes. And so if you haven't actually listened to some of our stuff, it'll be here. It's a teaser. Yeah, uh, and starting with number five, do you want to start, Shannon? Sure. So number five is probably one of my favorite movies that we've watched um this past year and it's on my favorite movies list ever now Ooh. Uh, i know it's the final girls so it's not a classic horror film it's definitely a modern one but it definitely has everything and i think uh, um we'll just show a little clip of me re- coming to that realization oh yeah shannon was just laughing and crying and having, oh, a, having a good so old time good. so good this movie ends and i am upset <laughs> Because it, the movie was beautiful and it was so poignant. Absolutely. And this, it's one of the few horror movies that actually makes me cry. This exactly. and The Sixth Sense make me cry. Exactly. And so I was just like, oh, I, got, I was like, oh my God, that was not what I was expecting. Like, how dare you? <laughs> it was really good. All right. So what is your number five? Uh, my number five. Uh, this is a specific moment from our American Psycho episode. This is a very recent episode, but it's mm-hmm. one that I've listened to over and over again. It's when I make a really bad elf joke and then I try to explain elf to you and you're so confused and scared. And not not only is this part of our dynamic, like I explain things about the world to you and you're like, what the hell? But also, I had, I've had i never seen an episode of elf. I don't know where this information came from, but it's all true. I looked it up. And so it was this point where not only was I helping Shannon learn about the world, I was learning something about myself. Like I have this repository of weird elf knowledge. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, enjoy that. Yeah, my favorite character is the ATM that wants to eat a cat. Oh my God. Like the acronym should be ALF, right? Because it's ALF because he eats cats. Does ALF eat Uh cats? Yeah, ALF eats cats. ALF eats cats. The 80s were weird. I don't know... I don't know anything about Elf. That's weird. That's kind of all I know about Elf. And also that his name is like Gordon Shumway for some reason. And he decides I, to go by Elf? He's, I think it means alien life form. That's what it stands for. Oh. But like, why is... He's an alien? Yeah. Oh, you know nothing about I Elf. I know nothing about Elf. Do you know what he looks like? He looks like a Muppet, right? Yeah. 
Okay, good. Like a brown Muppet? Okay. What did you think he was? Like a bear in the big blue house type like situation? Like a Muppet. Oh, boy. Oh, okay. No, okay. Uh, number four. Um, number four comes... This is a growing moment for us. We did a interview, which I believe is our first interview. It was our first. Um, with the wonderful Mark Rosman. Mm-hmm. Director of The House on Sorority Row. Yes. And all the Hillary Duff movies in the world. Right. The and Perfect the- Man. Sorry. The Perfect Man, A Cinderella Story. He also directed Life Size, Tyra Banks. Good job. Ten points to Brennan. Um, but it was important for it was important for me because one of my first horror films I'd ever seen was Sorority Row. And then we decided to watch House and Sorority Row so I can kind of understand where it came from. Um, and then we in, we got to interview him, which was very strange because Brennan just sent some emails out. and Yeah. And, uh, everyone. That's yeah. Pic- it was, no. it Let's was cut that great. part out. No one needs to know my secrets. <laughs> just bleep it out. Um, uh, so... Anyway, it's just kind of the point of like, we did this interview, we wrote a whole bunch of really good questions, and he actually remarks about about that. So uh, here's a clip from that. I love your questions. They're like, I've never been asked any of these questions. Good. That was, that was our goal. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure I read every single interview with you. That's really? Oh my conducted. God. He's very thorough. Cool. Yeah. That was so fun. It was really fun. It um, was really weird. We were just in LA. It was kind of kind of scary where we were. Not scary. It wasn't like dangerous, but it was just like we didn't know where we were going. We'd never been yeah, there before. We didn't know what he looked like really. No. Oh my god. Okay. So behind <laughs> the scenes story. We were I had seen a picture of him on IMDb, but it was an older picture from like 2007. So we were up at this office area where his office was and the the door was locked. We had to walk all the way across the building to an unlocked door, go upstairs, cross the entire building again. It was really weird. It was yeah. But before we did that, we had gone to the mall to like eat food because we had an hour to kill. But on the way back to drop stuff off in my car, uh, we passed by the building and there was a guy who had just arrived on a bike and he had this crazy grizzly Adams beard and hair and he looked really scary. And I don't remember what he had on his bike, but it was like a weird briefcase that yeah. was really like Pulp Fiction-y. And we we're like, uh, I hope this isn't him because I'm terrified of this man. It was not him. Mark yeah. Rossman was great. Yeah, he's very nice. Anyway, uh, my number four is the Nightbreed episode, which featured Andrew Furtado. Oh, my God. Andrew Furtado of the Now Streaming podcast, who also edited the director's cut of Nightbreed. Yes, not of the Nellies, but definitely of the Nightbreed. Was that a Nelly Furtado joke? It was. I'm sure he's he's never heard that before. I'm sure. Um, Anyway, I just... Andrew is a character. Oh, boy. He's so much fun to talk to, and I'm so glad we had him on the podcast. He's, like, such an explosive personality, and I think having you and him in the same room was such an experience, and I'm glad (laughs) it happened. I just... I have a moment from that as well where it's just, like... It's not on my list, but it was definitely, it was on my, my pre-list, but it was just kind of like where we start the podcast and Andrew's just being Andrew and he starts cursing oh, and yeah. we like, it, it somehow is revealed that we don't curse on the podcast oh, and, yeah. and his automatic reaction was like to curse further and say but, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. He's so nice. He's yeah. such a nice guy. Yeah. Super nice. Thank you for being on our podcast. Would you rather have Fuck, sex Mary with? Kill. Yeah. Yes, it's the same thing. But we were just being clean. Boff. But you're on the show. Also, oh, shoot. No, no, it's no, fine. No, no, um, we're not. So are don't you work. fucking serious? No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so number three for me is just an opportunity for me to be mad at you. Um, okay. Because a lot of the podcast was just like Brennan introducing me, th- me to things where I, I, had con- I had conceptions about them already and then those just being broken. And so there was this really prominent very important classic movie texas chainsaw massacre that i just thought i knew about and come to find out it is some wacky cannibal bs with a family dinner table yeah and And so i think most of that episode was just me ranting about how upset i was that i had like i didn't know what i was getting into and me being so hurt because it's one of my favorite movies ever. Right, right. I came around towards the end, and I like it now. But I, I, I mean, it's not like it's it's a shock to the system. Definitely. So anyway, there's there's that. There is that. It just like it made me kind of like kind of have anxiety. It wasn't following any sort of like formula. So like at the very beginning, you have those pictures of the graveyard, and then the graveyard happens very briefly, and then they don't talk about it again. They just leave. It's like whatever. 
Uh, my number three episode is Shocker. I just I really enjoyed that episode. That's one where we really pulled out all the stops because it was in honor of Wes Craven's passing, who's mm-hmm. like my role model, and he's done a lot of my favorite movies and a lot of Shannon's too. A lot of the mm-hmm. ones that she'd actually seen yeah. before we did this podcast, yeah. like The Nightmare on Elm Streets. And screens. we'd met him. He was very nice. And oh man, that was the we best. We took a selfie with him. Yes, which I shared um, after he passed away. Yep. But I. I wrote an essay on the last house on the left in the class that he came to speak at, and I got an A on that essay, and I asked him to sign it, and he signed it, and he also gave me a little plus next to the A. That was so cool. Yeah. Uh, not important, but here's a clip from that episode, which I just had a lot of fun doing and c- kind of honoring a fallen icon. If you're confused about that summary, um, welcome to the club, because <laughs> I was confused about the entire movie. Yeah, super sweet. Okay, so to pick up from that... My number two um, is our Science of the Lambs episode, but not just the episode, because that was fun, because I hadn't seen it. Also very important. Probably the first Jodie Foster movie I'd ever seen. Which is crazy. I know. I know. But my favorite part of the entire episode comes at the very, very end, because Sergio was our guest star, and come to find out, Sergio is very good at doing a Jodie Foster accent. He's pretty good at voices. Which you would not know, because... Sergio's a little grumbly teddy bear <laughs> and yeah so that was really good so here's a clip of um uh Jodie Foster Sergio is that 14 points yeah let's see your Jodie Foster so Sergio let's see your best Jodie Foster uh, how's it going you guys <laughs> oh, all right I don't know what her accent is usually like a it's like a southern accent with a lisp um from West Virginia well, all right now it's like molasses. That's close. That's good. All right. So, Sergio, what is your recommendation for people who agreed with you about this film? Do I have to do it in the accent? Yes. yes. All right, and now I recommend Aaron Brockovich. Mm-hmm. That oh, it's so good. So good. You may remember he reprised that role in a later episode, but we'll get. To he that. did. Uh, my number was that your number two? That was yeah. That was my number two. Okay. Uh, my number two is our interview with Stephanie Hodge. Yay! Uh, she was our favorite character in I Mad Man. Which Mona. Is the, yeah, which is the very first movie that we watched, and mm-hmm. it began a recurring joke. We were like, "Well, we got to get Mona on the show so we can talk to her." Yeah, which was totally a joke. Like we yeah. had no idea it would happen because we 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 never planned on being an interview show in any capacity. No. Uh, because we were just literally, we were playing. It was I Mad Man. We had driven our roommate to the freaking anime expo, and we were sitting on our couch watching the like. The weirdest movie that no one's seen ever. Yeah. And so it was just this silly joke. And then it was only eight episodes later. Which is crazy. Yeah. We hooked it up and she told the best story ever. Oh, man. About being at a biker bar, which I think I'm going to share unedited because it was so cool. Oh, good. Good. And yeah, here it is. I was doing a benefit for to raise money for a motorcycle gang. All right. Kind of a villainous motorcycle gang. <laughs> And um, the money was being raised for members of the motorcycle group. I have to be so careful with this um, because um, they had either been in fights or uh, in accidents and had be either they had become disabled in some way. So, and I heard through a friend, through a friend, through a friend that they wanted me to do it. And so I did it. And literally, it was at this bikers club, and there's chicken wire in front of the stage. Because they threw bottles at the bands and stuff. So I'm performing behind Chicken Wire. And I just didn't like it. So I came out front and just went, look, if I'm going to do this, let's just do it right here. And the thing was that I had two breakaway beer bottles with me. The kind you can smash over your head that are sugar and they don't hurt you. And these guys were drinking. And they were getting a little out of control. And I was a little scared at this point. And this one huge biker... Just the classic biker. I mean, such a classic, humongous, scary-ass guy. Stands up, and he's wavering around, and he goes, You think you're tough, but you're not. I know tough. And I picked up one of the breakaway beer bottles that I had just set up there to look like I was drinking because they wanted me to drink, and I'm not going to drink during a show. I'm just not going to, especially there. And I picked one up and said, This is how tough I am, pal, and I broke the beer bottle over my head and it just shattered and I stood there and looked at him and went and so he took his own beer bottle and knocked himself unconscious (laughs) 
And I got a huge round of applause. And they drug him off the floor and took him into the back room. But yeah, I think that. Was... That's a good answer. Yeah, dig, you're so tough. Yeah, pal, I'm tough. Smash. Oh yeah, bang and out and down and blood. Oh. And I just went, oh well. And they're all applauding and cheering and you know, we love you. <laughs> I want to go back behind the chicken wire. I I have to admit. That was actually my number one. Yeah, I, I was leaving you the second half of that conversation. Yeah, like I'm not. Re- it's I'm definitely not finished my number with one. Stephanie and there was a part of um, that like conversation that I also really loved. I mean, I loved every second of that conversation. We had so many um, technical errors because it was so like we were so oh, yeah. young. That was you a know? nightmare. Um, we had so many technical errors, but she was so cordial and nice. We were in our home. Um, but one of the things that she says resonates to my my soul being. And she says something along the lines of, um, like, like I came out of my my mom's uterus in in jeans or something. Oh, yeah. She says, says something along those lines. Like how she can't deal with fancy clothes. Yeah, I think we had to put it into the end because it didn't. It was out of context. Yeah. We we had to stop recording at some point, so it was completely out of context. But I really wanted it in, so I think we added it at the very end. We did. It was so um, good. But it was so good. So that's actually and my number one. God wanted me to wear dresses i wouldn't have been born wearing jeans and a t-shirt so that's good that was probably the best experience we've had on the show yeah it's wacky especially because shannon was so terrified when we pulled up to her house because she didn't answer the door her husband did yeah and we were like who's this guy yeah and he was like who are you? And we're like, we're with, we're with the podcast. We're just children. Leave us alone. Yeah. We're, we, I mean, we were really putting ourselves out there. It was, yeah. it was like, we were like waiting for someone to give us something from Craigslist. It was like a very could, it could have gone really awful. Uh-huh. Like all these things could have gone really awful. Yeah. And she was, she was waiting for us to come down. I mean, no, she wasn't, she was uh, upstairs getting ready. Right. So we were just in their living room in this house that we've never been to. Right. Just waiting, and Shannon was like... Waiting on this woman we've never met. Yeah, and Shannon was like, I think we should go. This is weird. I think we should go. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, just stick it out. Stick it out. Yeah. And Stephanie Hodge Calming comes down, down, and our world changes completely. Absolutely. She's so fun. And you'll notice, if you listen to the rest of our podcast, that we mu- that, that there is a character who we call, we coin, like the Mona character. Oh, yeah. And like a lot of them, where she she's just like the There was one in Nightbreed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, she's just kind of like the spunky side character who's like encouraging her her fellow lead mm-hmm. and and being awesome. So, yeah, anyway. that has really informed a lot of what our show is about. Yeah. Really. Thank you, Stephanie Hodge. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'd also like to thank Mark Rossman and Russell Todd, who both also granted us interviews, just uh-huh. like officially. Th- um, and all of our guests as well. I was actually I was gonna get to that, but I'll okay. do it now. Yeah. Um, Special thank you so much to Cassidy Rice, Sergio, Lucas Cathy, Andrew Furtado, Matt Russell on our From Dusk Till Dawn episode, Henry Hall, and Dave Bloom. So thank you so much, everybody, for coming on the show. Um, We've really enjoyed talking to people. Like, it's, it's, we're not, not, we haven't founded an empire here, but Iris, I'm so glad that people have wanted to come on the show. They've wanted to talk to us, that... Whoever is out there listening, thank you for listening. Like, we've really enjoyed doing this. And the fact that people, anyone is listening is really, really rewarding. So thank you. Uh, And my number one episode is the first annual Screamy Awards. Yes. Uh, That was our Oscar-themed episode at the end of February. I had so much fun putting this together. It was probably the easiest episode to record because Mm -hmm. we only recorded, like, four or five minutes of new content yeah but finding all the clips and stuff took forever yeah but i had so much fun um <laughs> putting together like the fake celebrity introductions and just making it as oscarsy and cheesy as possible that was yeah and thank you to everyone who voted we got a shocking number of votes that we didn't expect so it was a very statistically significant awards season and yeah it was quite a horace pinker oh god it was a, a shocker oh god uh anyway be proud of me no i'm making horror okay, related thanks for horror jokes, jokes i appreciate it thank you uh your dad humor yay um but yeah uh so yeah we we might not have agreed with all the choices that you voted for but thank you so much for shaping this episode that i had such a yeah. wonderful time putting together in, it's so fun in their defense they didn't have to watch the movies we That's did true. which mm-hmm. is why which is why why our uh, our choices differ and now, please welcome your next presenters, Brennan Klein and Ghost Cat star, Ellen Page. 
Hi, Ellen. Long time no see. So what's your favorite thing about being asked to present the award for best 10-word review? One of the best things about it was the way it enabled me to publicly show support for the people who inspire me and give me courage. Wow, that's really sweet. This year, it is an absolute honor to present it to an LGBT icon. Brennan for Paranormal Activity, the ghost dimension. Wow, thank you so much. Um, so that, I mean, we've talked now about our five favorite episodes. We've thanked our guests. Um, and we've talked a lot about our anniversary stuff. Yeah. Oh, also, sorry. Yeah. One more thing. Real quick shout out to everyone listening. I know we already did this. Yeah. But super special shout out to Matt Russell, who's been here since the beginning. He's Yay. been on the podcast. He's and John guessed, and like, Sue and my dad. Yeah, John and Sue. All of our parents, um, Tristan and Owen, who are out yeah. there on Twitter fighting the good fight. And yeah, thank you so yeah. much. Our roommates for just dealing with us. Yeah, well, they don't listen to this show. Screw them. <laughs> um, and then, okay, so we've done thank yous and shout outs and all the things. Okay, so we still have our game and our recommendation to do. And then we have to wrap up the episode. But I don't think I've officially said. We've kind of briefly talked about the fact that I will not be here next year. Uh, it's kind of been mentioned, but never anything. Right. So I'm going to officially announce that I'm going to be spending the next year in Seattle. I will be serving with um, the AmeriCorps and one of their programs trying to help, trying to keep kids from dropping out of school. Um, I'm not going to get more specific than that, but that is what I'll be doing. And so I will not be on the podcast anymore, which is sad, but I have all this wicked horror knowledge now that yeah. I know you can no one else is going to have. Urban centers. Yeah, no one's going to have this. And so when I have movie nights and I have horror nights and I blow people's minds <laughs> by watching these crazy movies, um, I will feel like a pro. Yeah. And so I wanted to thank Brennan so Aww, much. Thank you. For all that you've shown me and all that, that we've watched. And for watching Ghost Cat with me. Oh, God. <laughs> um, Notice that was neither of our favorite episodes. No, it was not. But we had a good time. We were talking about it earlier today. We it were was. just driving around talking about it. Um, and I will be really sad to, like, no longer be doing this. Because we were kind of talking about this when we were talking about this episode, too. Was that we somehow were, were, we, we were able to finish a year's worth of podcasts i don't I, I still don't believe it i think this is a dream and we're gonna wake up like kelly maroney did twice in right <laughs> right um especially because we're both very busy people and we're both go-getters and there were a lot of times <laughs> cough cough twitch of the death nerve that uh, we just couldn't do it we had to move things around and had to come up with mini episodes and extra episodes in order to kind of hit our quota um but it happened yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, it did. Yeah. And uh, don't fear about Shannon's announcement, everybody. Yep. Scream 101 is going to keep going. Yes. Um, with my blessing. Yeah. Season one with Shannon Chalakian will be ending at the um, end of July. Yep. But that doesn't mean Scream 101 is dying. Like every good horror franchise, the villain will keep coming back to torment you some more. The villain being Brennan. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's have some fun. Let's get out of the game. All right. Sounds good. I've prepared a very special game for us. It's a game we haven't played in a while because it takes a lot of pre-production. Um, it's called The Devil's Advocate. Yay. It's where I read you one-star crappy crap reviews for movies that we did like. And this is um, every... The answer to each of these is going to be... Oh, sorry. The answer to each of these is going to be a movie that we watched for Scream 101. Okay. Um, and you have a list in front of you that I, I compiled. It's a long list, folks. Mm-hmm. So I have... Um, Excerpts from reviews on Amazon and IMDb, awful, awful one-star reviews of movies that you, Shannon, have ex like per particularly, oh God, particularly liked. Good. Okay, good. Okay. And if you can't get it on the first comment, I will keep going and the comments get easier and more clear as they go along. All right. Let's do this. All right. <sighs> Number one from Eric J on Amazon. Between the hateable characters and the crappy soundtrack, this movie sucked. But it looks like they spent a lot of money on it, so I gave it one star. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. Okay. They're not easy. I just wanted to share that one. That's funny. That's okay. Um, okay, so I know one of these answers is going to be the final girls. Was this the final girls? No, it was not. Okay. Okay, so, ready for the next one? Yes. RJL from Amazon. Boring. Couldn't make it. Had to abandon it. Too much dialogue. <laughs> what? Hmm... 
Looks like they spent a lot of money on it, and it had too much dialogue. Let me see. And again, they will get easier. I just liked these two. Okay, good. Uh, American Psycho. It is American Psycho. Yes. Oh, that's too easy. Let me. Okay, I just want to tell you the next review. The title of this Please review do. was "The Killer Poos." Oh my god. I don't know why. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, I really liked American Psycho. It was good. I can I can understand how people could hate it, and I can understand how people could hate the book. Oh god, we'll get to that. Yeah, seriously. Um, but yeah. Cool. And actually, the next two films, I'm pulling a switcheroo. I'm gonna pull the rug out from under you. Uh, it's actually two movies that you hated, and I'm reading you five star reviews no! for those movies. Uh, I was so excited about like being redemptive and being like, yeah, these movies are great. You guys suck, and now I have to be the opposite. Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, these ones are really fun, though. Oh boy, here we go. Okay, uh, number one. Uh huh. It's from an unknown user on IMDb. Mm-hmm. The most interesting aspect to the film is how the killer's motives are never explained. This actually adds to the film's atmosphere. Was this final exam? It was final exam. Ugh, final ex- <sighs> I just oh, I, too good. can you can you hear me seething through the mic because I can hear oh god. god. Uh, also this sorry this next one is totally just it's obviously a shill, like some paid advertiser. Okay, like, good. Timothy Rayner is as believable as a killer as a good guy. He just puts his heart into everything he does. His ability to make you see what is supposed to be seen is a sign of a great actor. He's a very charismatic actor. Then it describes what he's doing now. See, I know that I hated Final Exam, but I hated it so much that I, thankfully, have pushed it out of my mind. Well, not enough to let me read more stuff on this game. Obviously so. All right. Well, let's go to the third and final movie. This one is another movie you hated, and I'm reading five-star reviews. Okay. Okay. This one's from Anthony15 on Amazon. Or actually, I'm to be, sorry. The body count is high with imaginative, imaginative deaths, and even though it's full of already done ideas from Friday the 13th, The Burning, Halloween, and The Prowler, the production values are okay, and the gore is quite good. The cast are not bad and can scream on cue. Remember, th- this is a 10 out of 10 review. And this is some soft praise. Yeah. Uh, they don't know how to review stuff. They can scream on cue, though. Not like those other movies. Imaginative. Imaginative deaths. That's an interesting way of phrasing things. Um, hmm. Okay. I'm trying to think of the... Okay, so I hated Texas Chainsaw initially. I hated Dust Till Dawn initially. I hated... This movie is us trying to talk Shannon away from giving something a one-star review. Honestly. Um, I Serpent in the Rainbow was not good. Zombie was not good. Well, it wasn't awful. Zombie... Is it zombie? It's not. Let okay. me go to the next one. Next one. This is from Gizzard of Mars from oh Amazon. God. Jesus. Uh, this film is very alluring to me. The shadows and the thumping score. There's eeriness in every shot of this film. It's like the killer. I edited it out. Um, it's like the killer fills the film with his presence. And the score slash theme are very catchy and really push the film over into iconic territory. There's a great backstory. It's beautifully shot and I love the characters. They're all memorable. My favorite has to be blank. Uh, haha. She's, um, very childlike. And you have to see her iconic scene. Once you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. What the heck? It's the creepiest thing, right? Yeah. They say, um, haha, in the middle of their review. Gross. Uh, okay. Is it the Babadook? No. Okay, because I really um, hated the Babadook, too. <laughs> oh, God. You just don't like being stressed out, which yeah. I understand. Yeah. Um, but le- let me just say this character they mentioned is a character that you also liked from a oh, movie okay. that you hated. Oh, that's good. Character I liked from a movie that I hated. And Sounds she's, like haha, um, very childlike. <laughs> um, see what I did there? Uh, <laughs> God. Uh, I don't know. You're going to have to give me another one. All right, one more. This is from an IMDb review by Plupo Jr. 2. Ugh. 
<laughs> it reminds me of simpler times when all we wanted as an audience was a couple good jumps for our admission. It also has one of the most infamous hiding places ever filmed in horror history. Hiding places? Okay, so there's a character you loved in a crappy movie. Yeah. It's a great hiding place. It's a great hiding And she's, um, haha, very childlike. Great hiding place. And the cast can scream on cue, if that helps. Right, <laughs> of course. And the cast. And it's, it's a movie I didn't like. Correct. Okay, see, I've convinced myself that I've liked too many of these things now. Um. Was it Troll 2? Okay, no. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you one more hint because I have no more reviews. Okay. If you want to ask. Oh, my God. It's Madman. It's oh. up to you. And it's Ellie. Yes, it's Ellie. You remember her name. Yes, That's good. Ellie from Madman and the refrigerator. Yes, she hid in the fridge. That's she was hiding awesome. From okay, Man good. Yeah, Mars. Madman was, Man was awful. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. That, okay, I feel redeemed. I feel good cool. about that. Good. So that's the end of our game. Yay! And almost the end of our anniversary episode. Uh, we have to share our final comments, our recommendations. Shannon, what would you recommend for people who agreed with you about Night of the Comet, um, which we both really liked? So Night of the Comet was great. It was very much an ode to L.A. Uh, and post-apocalyptic and aliens. Well, not aliens. Comet zombies. Same thing. Yeah, um, sure. So I'm going to recommend They Live which is a John Carpenter movie, also an ode to L.A. Also about consumerism. Also about consumerism. Although a bit more uh, flaunting it in this yeah, one. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely definitely more about consumerism. Um, it's less apocalyptic um, it in, the, in the normal sense. Because okay, it, it's, right. like, it's like a Reaganism apocalyptic. It's not like mm-hmm. everyone's turned into dust apocalyptic. Okay, that's um, right. But it's really great, and you get a lot of the same vibes. And they're, I mean, it's amazing i just go watch it it's, cool it's like my fa- it's one of my favorite john carpenter films awesome yep and my recommendation is another campy movie from the mid 80s it's chopping mall yay which i think it's one that engages with its uh, core premise a little more into a really over-the-top degree which is kind of what i was hoping for from this movie uh it also stars kelly maroney and mary warrenoff uh, it also stars Barbara Crampton from Your Next and Reanimator and From Beyond. Mm-hmm. It also stars Russell Todd, who we interviewed on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and Russell Todd is part of the married couple in Chopping Mall. Yes, which is, which is also new. Yeah, we've talked about that being a weird thing. But yeah, it's about a bunch of teens who are having a party at this like mattress store. And then they get locked in the mall, which is being guarded by haywire killer robots with laser beams. Yep. And it's crazy. Yep. It's so fun. You all need to watch it right now. And as for the clue, next week you already know that we will be interviewing Kelly Maroney, who played our favorite character, Sam. It's going to be a really electrifying time, and I hope you enjoy it. So look for that. And here is the clue for the episode we will be doing two weeks from now. Next time, we'll be heading to England so we can head right on back to America. Make sure to pack your flashlights. It's going to be a dark trip. And if you have a guess to that clue, if you want to wish us happy anniversary... Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod, on Facebook at Scream101Podcast. Send us an email at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to give us an anniversary gift, you can rate us five stars on iTunes. Ooh, solid plug. Would be really, really nice. Yeah, also, we want to know if you're listening, please. We love all of our listeners, but we don't know all of them exist. Um, we hope. <laughs> yeah. No, okay. There, I know there are definitely more people out there listening than like the people that I know because I've seen traffic and stuff that's good but i want to hear from you you are our silent majority and please give us five stars or send us something we would love to hear from all of you they're all just aliens waiting to until we become like like present and understand what's going Uh on and then they attack us Uh uh-oh well if you want to attack us you can do that on twitter at screen 101 pod nice plug thank you just please please tell us you're there we want to hear from you um we basically respond to everything on twitter yep um that anyone sends to us except for the sex robots yep we get some of those that's awkward um anyway we'll be playing you out with a song specifically chosen for anniversary whole world is celebrating by chris farron from the night of the comet soundtrack
seriously. Yeah, you're you're not you're not concerned about you being right all the time. Just making sure that everyone else is wrong all the time. Absolutely, that's the that's the important thing. Good, I'm glad. Bye, friends. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.